Hi, you're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Hey, welcome to Boggy Talk. We hope you're doing well. I just tried to intro the show differently and it failed, so we started over and here we are. <laughs> speaking of... Speaking of start overs, <laughs> there's our... How you there's doing, your faithful co-host. You haven't said that this season. I, I haven't, uh, but you're still Do you faithful. you not think I'm faithful Season anymore? three, uh, season four, episode three, you're still faithful, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, you doing okay? I feel faithful. I'm turning... I'm having a birthday this Woo-hoo. week. Do you know yeah, that? So. A, yeah, 41. Yeah, at 41, you're like... It's not you're ex- in your 40s. <laughs> yeah, you're like... 40 just, is like... You know, that's like a milestone yeah. and people that yeah. are 40 years old. Now 41, you're like, you know. Remember there. when people used to be like, I'm 40 and you're like, God, you're about to die. You're so old. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that's so old. And now uh, you're like, hey, hey, I'm in, I'm doing all right. I, I've known one of our members uh, of this church for a long time, Heath and Laura Gardner. And I remember when they were like having their like 15th or 20th wedding. They're about 10 years older than me. They're having their 15th, 20th year wedding anniversary. 15. And I was like, they're so old. And now already that's come and gone for me. So anyway. <laughs> so funny. They're great. I don't you love the Gardner's? And all their children. I do. I do love with life expectancy, though, like increasing, like the average age of the congregation keeps getting older. And mm-hmm. so even I, I don't feel like I'm like getting that much older as yeah. a pastor because our members, you know, yeah. are getting older, And, uh, and it which helps I love because some of our members, I'm like, please hang on as long as like, can, yeah. can they be here till I retire? Yeah, You know, and they, and I think we're in the same boat in that we are older with, with kids who are younger, like having, yes. yeah. you've got a kindergartner this year, we've got a second, third grader. So like, I don't have a kindergarten, like preschool. Preschool. Yeah, That's right. we got a long way to go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But it's like, we just got, yeah, we're just in the same boat with a lot of people who are younger than us. So it makes us feel younger at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, so kids are back that in school. That part makes me feel older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Well, kids are back in school. College football school. season is a, is, about you know, to kick off. Week zero was this past weekend, right? And Or this coming weekend. And then we got the real game starting. <laughs> You're really a devout, devout fan. You know, well, what is week zero anyway? It's just yeah. like, it's a money grab. It's what it is. That is just true. Be honest. It so, is a money grab. Anyway, let's dive into what we're talking about today. And the question of the day, the topic Speaking of, the of day, money grabs, let's yeah. talk about leaders in the church. Let's talk about monetizing boggy talk. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Still uh, waiting for that sponsorship. <laughs> that's right. Um, so leadership in the church. And the question really what we're talking about today is, is do I need leaders to grow? And yeah. This is kind of stemming off right, some things right, we've been yeah. talking about in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, you're opening your Bible to Ephesians chapter I four. Am, yeah. So why don't you read and then let's discuss. Yeah. You, you think about it because like the first two weeks specifically, you know, I was a big part of my emphasis was on um, the priesthood of the believer. And even, even in, I think two weeks ago, I was talking about how, um, you know, like it's not about coming in here and leader. It's it's using your gifts, and then and then this week we open up and talk about the leaders. You know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And so, uh, the rational question that I've heard asked then is like, okay, wait a second. There are these leaders in the Bible, but then I have the priesthood of the believer. Do I really need these leaders? And so we just wanted to kind of get boggy with that, right? Yeah, get boggy. So let's uh, get boggy. Them, that's right. Can we get, get shirts boggy. to say get boggy? Let's. Ooh, ooh. that's a great. We can sell those. I don't know. That right. That's a good idea. Uh, let's let's just read this passage real quick. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to start. I'm just going to start with verse 11 right there. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may know longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by the wind of by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth and love we are to grow up in every way into him who is its head 
into Christ, who is the head into Christ. All right, so we'll stop right there. Um, so do you need leaders to grow? So if you want uh, the boggy answer, well, maybe. No, just kidding. Uh, yes. Really, we do need leaders to grow yes. because that's really how God has ordained it, you yeah. know, according to this passage. Now, we recognize we say that as leaders in the church— so it could sound like, yeah, you need us, which is not the heart at all. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think of the rough, you know, DMX Rough Riders anthem when somebody <laughs> says, hey, do I need leaders to grow? And it's like, well, let's stop, drop, okay. shut them down and open up shop. There, there you go. And so let's, let's talk about the mentality of you asking that question is typically coming at it from a Western individualized culture. And so you're thinking, hey, I am self-sufficient. Do I really need uh, these people? And uh you, you're, you, that's why I say open up shop. Let's think about it in the right perspective. The Bible is written with a communal perspective in mind. Yes. And point so, number one. So, the, so if you are a follower of Jesus, then you want to obey the words of Jesus and you see that God's plan is for you to be a part of a biblical community, be a part of the church. So it's like, do you have to be a part of the church to be saved? No, we believe that salvation is through the grace of Christ uh, and the death of Christ alone. We talked about that last week, right? Mm -hmm. But as a believer, maybe I shouldn't say, but then as a believer, we want to obey his words. Right. And one of the things, because we're saved, not to be saved, but because we're saved, one of the things that is clear is this desire to be a part of the community. And so if you then adopt that mindset, you say, well, how does the community form? And a part of that is leaders. Yes, absolutely. And the leaders have a specific task in scripture. Correct. And then what we just read here, that the leaders of the church are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's right. And for the building up of the body of Christ. So I think a lot of times we've kind of gotten this like mentality. I think it feeds into the, the mindset of, I don't necessarily need a leaders because we in the West particularly, but this happens in other cultures as well in Christianity. It's like the, the pastors or the leaders of the church are doing the ministry mm. and mm. We're just, we are spectators in it. We're watching them and then we are, we're coming, we're hearing, but we're not really participating necessarily. Uh, and so, well, I don't need to do that. Uh, is the mentality creep, but that's not what the scriptures teach us that the job of leaders in the church are. The, the leaders are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that it is the church doing the ministry to one another and to the world outside, the, the carrying out of the Great Commission is the church doing that. It's the people of the church doing that. And so the goal of the leaders and leadership that God uh, places in churches is to build the saints up for this work. And so that that mentality creep of watching you do the work or watching someone else do the work uh, is part of what feeds into that, no? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> no. yes? Uh, yes, you're like, no. no, I'm like, wait, wait huh? how am I supposed to answer that? <laughs> yeah. And, and so how it ends up being dysfunctional um, is nuanced, right? Like, mm -hmm. so part of that is it's never going to be perfect. And so mm -hmm. we got to let go of the idealism, right? That it's going to be perfect. Some of it, and I would say a minority of it is there are people who get into ministry leadership for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. Um, what, what, what would you say? What are some of the wrong reasons people go into it? Well, I'm going to simplify and say pride. You know, yeah. I, I don't think many people start out 
seeing it as a means of greed because, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, by and large, very few people get very wealthy off of uh, being a minister. And so while we have those extreme examples, I think uh, that that has compounded on pride. So I think it's like, hey, nobody nobody listens to me here, but now I I can speak on behalf of God. And so as I speak on behalf of God, people hang on the words I say. And and so then I begin to build this following and and all those things. So there are those, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why um we want to see like what is the aim of that pastor and are they or, or leader and are they really grounded in the scripture mm-hmm. i i however think the majority of dysfunction comes from people who start off with good intentions and then because doing what jesus has called us to do is so difficult and it is easier to then be, create a consumeristic yeah. mm-hmm. church they just do the ministry mm-hmm. and then they begin to create a dependency uh, on them doing the ministry and people begin to become dependent on them doing the ministry and it's just dysfunctional. And again, I am very much quickly speaking to this because that's even more nuanced than what I just said. Right. Because it, it feels good initially to be needed. Yes. You know, if people it does need feel me, good it feels good. If people, you know, and there's, you know, and so we create things that do depend on us. And it really is a, it's a difficult part of, of leadership in the church because at the end of the day, you know, things do have to get done. It takes more time to equip people to do those things it than does. just to do yourself, it do does. them yourself at times, but it's the longer, greater work, you know, and we're talking about, you know, as a church, you know, we are a hundred and, you know, 12 year 13. old, 113 year old church. You know, we are, we are, standing on the shoulders of generations before. And what we have to do is say, what is ultimately the most healthy thing for this church for 112 years from now, if Jesus hasn't come back and beyond us, you know, eventually everybody who's a part of this church will not be here anymore, but Lord willing, because of faith, his faithfulness and his faithfulness through his people, the ministry of this church will continue. So how do we set this church up? How do we set the people of this church up from generation to generation to carry out the work of the gospel? Right. Amen. And that's got to be in front of us because that is not, that is a, that is a, a vision that is beyond ourselves yeah. that yeah, mm-hmm. can just easily, you know, mm-hmm. fall to the ground because we've got other things that are just more urgent, uh, at least or immediate, I should say, maybe not mm-hmm. more urgent. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, there are qualifications for a lot of these roles and the character they should have. And so we need to look to those and say, are these people in these roles, uh, you know, matching those qualifications? And then ultimately, like, what is the aim of the person in this role uh, of leadership in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, like, what's their aim? And is their aim uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Like, are they trying to get us to do ministry or are they trying to get us to buy into what they're doing. And so uh, I definitely think, um, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves those questions. Um, but I mean, God has gifted people in different ways. So this is just, and, and I kind of referenced on Sunday that my belief is that uh, maybe only the shepherd teacher role is still even in play in terms of uh, these offices. Cause I don't think in Ephesians four, it's talking about gifts it's talking about roles, mm-hmm. but there are those who believe all of these roles are still, you know, functional apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. I would say ultimately, like, is that person in that role trying to give away ministry, you know, mm-hmm. trying to give people to do ministry? Um, I really think that is the question. Um, and yeah, and, and so, I, and I would just warn that pragmatism kills the biblical church. And so mm-hmm. uh, it often works to create um, culture of consumers and um 
but just because it works doesn't mean it's right. That's right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, the consumeristic, it's just, we're talking about building platforms. It's like, it's just because that, that keeps people coming when you quote unquote entertain or you not, I wouldn't even say tickle the ears by, by watering things down, but just make it more about, Hey, what do you come and what do you get? And how do you go? Like, rather than, okay, like, you, the Bible calls you to this. The Bible calls mm-hmm. you to mm-hmm. serve. The Bible calls you to give. The, the Bible calls us to be sacrificial mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that a lot of people don't want to hear that. And so ultimately, if you're if you're teaching and emphasize not just teaching but emphasizing mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. and it's built into the culture of the mm-hmm. church, it's not going to attract as large of a crowd as quickly as just being pragmatic and entertaining and doing things that just make people feel good. Yeah, um, and 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 I think that. For me, like what, how I've grown in this is, you know, I want people to listen to the voice of God for themselves. Um, And so I think in the past, like when I really thought somebody was wrong about what God was leading them to do, let me back up. If it's clear in the scripture, then I'm going to say, this is what God says. You're what you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, no, God isn't leading you to run off of that new woman. Like he's not, you know what I mean? Like, but, but, um, if somebody says like, I really feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this or leave the church for this reason. And it's not really clear in the Bible. Like I've really kind of backed up because I don't want people to be giving too much weight to my voice. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, even I had a friend recently, you know, who, who left uh, our church and they were trying to listen to the Lord. And I, I believe that. And I really just, I was encouraged that they're trying to listen to God, whether I think they're right or wrong in this situation. Like I I felt like I needed to back off in saying my opinion in this situation because I didn't want them to feel guilt from me in Mm -hmm. in sticking around. And that's because of your role. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, so I do think like, um, the more, and again, this is just one person talking, but the more I've grown and matured, I, I realize the weight some people feel of what I have to say, not that they necessarily agree with what I have to say, but the weight. And so I want to steward that well mm-hmm. to ensure they're listening to God. And so I try to emphasize things like I'm only a voice, not the voice, you know, and incur- and one in the cult count- council multitude, there's safety. And so I say all that to say like, yes, God uses leaders and technically you need leaders, but ultimately those are equipping you for ministry. Right. Not not over overbearing. Right. And a key in all of this, I think, for the leader and for those who are part of the church who are being equipped for the work of ministry is that there's there's accountability in all of this in the body of Christ. Like, you know, the scripture tells us to ask for wisdom and we certainly do. Like we, like you said, we want people to read the scriptures (laughs) for themselves and hear the voice of God. However, uh, cults have also been started that way. Yeah, you're right. Uh, So there has to be, because I heard this, well, it also needs to be tested against Mm -hmm. the whole council of scripture. And it is possible possible for any of us, you know, it is possible for us to misunderstand or, and, and then God uses the church. He uh-huh, uses other uh-huh, people uh-huh. to refine, to challenge, to point us to truth. And so in all of that, like it's a both and, you know, yeah. it is, you need to be able to do this. And you also need people to, who have maybe even, maybe, maybe it's just a different perspective or a different uh, viewpoint on something to press you on that and to refine it. Yeah. And just a word, you know, to pastors who might be listening to this, you know, I, I, w- I would say that for me, one of the great values of the last, you know, six years of my life being at this church is the number of godly men and women uh, who've walked with Jesus a lot longer than I have uh, speaking into my life because, you know, I, I just feel like 
this is exaggeration. Everything I say, someone disagrees with. Not everyone. Like someone disagrees with literally Nuh-uh. everything I say. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. And, and maybe I just feel like that because I have six kids at my house. I, but but I, I think that um, it is valuable to um, be able to have those people speaking into uh, your life so you know, man, is there validity to this criticism mm-hmm. or not? Um, and it just be reminded of the truth of God's word. And and and, and preferably, you know, we're congregationally, uh, ultimate authority is vested in the congregation. I mean, God, but the congregation listen to the voice of God. And while there's that means any person can speak, you know, to an issue uh, at specific times. I think that there is a beauty in that and that ultimately the Holy Spirit does speak through the church. Um, and we've seen that, you know, recently in our church. And, and I just think um, I, I like that. You know, I, I get why um, some churches just say, hey, the narrative is going to be amongst this group of spiritually mature people. Um, I get that. But I think that I think that entrusting the Holy Spirit uh, and emphasizing the priesthood of the believer, by and large, you you generally still see um, the body mm. buy in with what God's word says. Yeah, that's good. Anything else you want to say about this? No. So the answer is you don't need leaders, but God to hear from God, but God has called you. God has spoken to you and called you to listen to leaders. Yeah, there, there, there you go. So yes and yes. There you go. Amen. Need them. So, all right. Well, hey, let's talk about some questions we have. One is yes. a question we didn't get to last week. We did not. And uh, do you have that question? Right, yeah, go that ahead. question is, if you have a friend and they profess to be a Christian and they want to maintain like same friendship with you, but they have this sin in their life that they just haven't repented of or conf- even acknowledged, like how do you... How do you maintain that friendship? Ooh, that's good. Uh, man, it's <laughs> so this is tricky because they are a believer, are professing believers. Right. So uh, I would say, you know, so if, if it, it's, it almost really is a different, well, not almost, it is a different situation in terms of like if this is a non believer, like, you know, like, you don't expect them to repent of their sin, you know, right. and you're in a relationship. Well, you hope they will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. you want them to, but you right. know, you're not there. Yeah. Your relationship isn't like, Oh, well, if they repent, I'll be their friend. Um, so there's someone who, I think you still have to, one, you have to love generously mm-hmm. and be gracious and forbear. And you do have to tell the truth and you do have to, I mean, you, if they are your friend and they're professing to be a brother or sister in Christ, like we owe it to each other to, point that out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you're not, I mean, you do need, as you do that, you know, like you don't do that in a judgmental way. Uh, you appeal to the scriptures, you know, we examine our own hearts first mm-hmm. in all of this. I mean, scripture teaches that, that we examine our own, uh, the log in our own eye before the speck in someone else's, uh, and, but we come to them with the appeal of the word and the Holy spirit has to bring them to repentance. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. may mean some boundaries in that relationship. Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily means you, you, you don't, you know, some people would say, oh, I just got to cut that off. Yeah. I think that's nuanced. You know, it kind of depends on the situation, mm-hmm. the, uh, the actual sin we're talking about, the person, the personality, the, you know, how toxic it is, is, you know, all those kinds of things. There's lots of nuance in that. Yeah. I mean, so we can only really just like speak to what the scripture says. And then the spirit of God has to kind of inform, uh, each person, uh, in each nuanced situation that you reference. I mean, the scripture does say if someone sins against you, uh, that you go to them. And so, I mean, I would say that while some might say that's just a personal sin against you, I would say if you have a friend who, 
you know, leaves their wife and kids or a friend who's um, an alcoholic or whatever it might be, who's professing to be Christ, a Christian, like they're sinning, they're, they're sinning against you. And so I think you should talk to them about it. Um, God uses that. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say, like, don't be scared to do that. If you're truly their friend, God, God uses that. Um, and then he says, if they don't respond, go to them with another person. And I would do that. Um, and I've seen God use that. And sometimes they'll separate themselves. Um, and then lastly, it would be tell it to the church. So I think if you're part of the same church, then you would, you would, you would bring it to the church, you know, leadership, however, however that's been delegated in your local church. Um, and then ultimately, you know, even in that situation, they would be removed from the church. These are the words of Jesus, you know, right. um, and treated like a tax collector and sinner, right. which doesn't mean that we know they're not right. saved or you're saved, but it's saying judgment. we really see this non-repentant person. And so we are concerned that they don't have the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit should be convicting them about this thing. And we're hoping that our actions would lead them to repentance. And so I would say at that point, like we would be their friend, but it's it's a different, it's a different yeah. level because mm-hmm. they know where we stand. Um and generally speaking, um they they they're probably gonna distance themselves from you. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the relationship's going to be different. And then, you know, first Corinthians seven says, don't even eat with that person. Like who's, who's not repentant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I do think there's a case for saying, Hey, you know where I stand and I love you, Yeah, but you know, I I can't, I can't condone your lifestyle. Right. You know, um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't yeah, know how exactly. to approach we, that because every situation. I feel like every situation is different in this, and so it's hard to yeah. give a prescription. But these are just some principles to walk right. in. Right. Yeah. I, I would say that you're you need. My question for you would be if like you still want to hang out with them. Like, is it because you need their friendship to feel like you're good, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. or is it because you want them to see Jesus? Like, right. and 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 you have to settle that. And if you want them to see Jesus, I think, I, th- I just think that it has to be like, hey, we're going to keep talking about this. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to, then maybe we shouldn't be, you kind of have to make that very clear. Like, yeah. we're going to keep talking about this. Yeah. Um, and if they say, I don't believe in Jesus, then that changes <laughs> it, right? Like, yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, I don't know, man. Yeah. I would get counsel. It, yeah, exactly. And I would say that would be another key point of this is don't try to navigate the situation alone. Like get people who yes. love and fear the Lord. And that's what Matthew 18 yeah, says. Exactly. And even 1 Corinthians 7, it's you not know, a, it's not an individual thing. Yes. Get the wisdom, get the wisdom uh, of other people who know who know the Lord and are walking with him to walk yeah, with I think that's 1 Corinthians this. 5, not 7. I think I said 1 Corinthians 7. 7 yeah. is non-believer, be, believing spouse. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. actually does say you stay with them. Yeah. You know, so, so there's a precedent for like, we're not completely uh, cutting this person off, you right. know? So, so, so I, when I say it's nuanced, I'm not saying like the scripture isn't clear. I'm saying like the methodology right. is nuanced, but definitely it needs to be clear to that person that you do not agree mm-hmm. uh, with the choices they've made. And that those, because they're inconsistent with Jesus's teaching, not your opinion. Right. Agreed. All right. So boggy enough for an answer for you. Yeah. Uh, second question is, uh, are Mormons Christians? And uh, what are some resources to learn more about this? So uh, that's a great question. It's one that comes up uh, a lot. So uh, yeah. I think it, depending on who you ask. I'm pulling up a website, by the okay. way. I'm not. Yeah. Who, uh, whoever you ask this question is going to give you a different, a- different answer. So if you ask a Mormon, are you Christian? They would say yes. I think if you compare the beliefs and doctrines of Mormonism against you know Christ- Christianity, you would walk away and have to say no. Uh, yeah. And I think this is uh, – 
I guess, hard for me in the sense that I have family members who are Mormon uh, and, you know, and it breaks my heart because I do think that in some ways. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. um, They're so close yet so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A a, a good starting point in reference for Mormonism uh, is is recognizing that if you get into a a conversation with them, um, you will walk away if you're if you don't really know some of the nuances of Mormonisms. You may walk away from a conversation with someone who's Mormon and think, "Yeah, they're good," mm-hmm. because they will. If you ask a Mormon, "Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin?" They would say yes. Mm-hmm. If you ask a Mormon, "Do you um, do you believe uh, that?" Uh, well, what was the other one I was going to say? Now I'm like totally blanking. Do you believe that Jesus is our sin? Yes. Like they would answer. That Jesus believe, is you, God. Yeah, Jesus mm-hmm. is God. Yeah. Do you believe in the gospel? Yes. But mm-hmm. if you start defining those terms, what mm-hmm. you'll find out is there's actually different, they have different definitions for the gospel, different definitions for atonement. Um, and so ultimately what it boils down to is that it really is a, a works-based believe the right thing. And even then you aren't, can't be fully sure of, of salvation. Um, and we can dive, we could do a deep dive into the beliefs of Mormonism. I don't know if that's necessarily the point of the question, um, but you do need to understand, you know, some of the nuances of what they believe in terms of that, that God, the heavenly father, that they would say, well, we believe in God, a heavenly father, but we believe in a God who has existed, self-existent outside mm-hmm. of time eternally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they believe that God is, uh, our heavenly father is an exalted man who basically was one of many gods, but who is the one who ascended to the throne uh, and that Jesus was his firstborn. Born, like mm-hmm. the firstborn mm-hmm. of creation, mm-hmm. not like so in Christian we say he is the firstborn, but like we mean that in a different way. And they mean no, he was literally created, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, basically, if you repent and follow Jesus's example, you can achieve salvation. But there's even different levels of salvation in terms of the kingdom, the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom. Um, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Jump believe in. they believe Satan was Jesus's brother. Just yeah, for clarity, exactly, so. and that and that we were we are all spirit children. Basically, right. we 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 all were eternally existent mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. uh, with God. And so, you know, if uh, if you go to a, a Mormon service, like um, I, I went to a funeral of a family member who is Mormon, and. Um, and it was just heartbreaking because they said, you know, and now we're going to share the gospel. So I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And they start with, well, we all know that we were all spirit. Before we lived on this earth, we were all with God as spirits. I was like, all right, well, that's not what yeah. scripture teaches. So you know, the Book of mm-hmm. Mormon is considered, you know, more, it is holy. It is without error. The King James version is what they would say, say is the Bible and it, they would believe it's with error. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's lots of things, you know, ultimately what it boils down to is they have a different doctrine of God, a different doctrine of Jesus, a different Mm -hmm. doctrine of salvation, a different doctrine of eternity, all of which are contrary to, what the Bible teaches. Um, mm-hmm. So there are some great resources. One that I think is super accessible. If you look up, um, David Platt did a secret church on Mormonism. Okay. And it's and it, there's a transcript, there's a video where he basically just gives an overview. And he, he's very clear to point out, like, these are, you know, if you go to Christianity.com, you're going to get us more because there's a lot of different beliefs of, you know, doctrines of Christianity. But these are like the beliefs listed on the, the Church of Latter-day Saints website. Right. You know, like this right. is their belief. It's not mm-hmm. just someone's opinion about what they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mormons, if you know Mormons, they're genuinely like really nice, awesome people. Uh, 
And if you believe that your eternity is determined by how good you are, you're going to perform well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that they're like evil people. Um, And I think that's important. I think it's just, you have to appeal to the truth of of the Bible and help them see what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. If you add on to any of that. Yeah, I would I would just very bluntly say it is not Christianity. Um, and uh, in their articles of faith, uh, it says the true gospel was lost from the earth, and yeah. Mormonism was the restoration of that. It's important to so so yeah. when we think about um, they like to say we're Christians, but they don't think we are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's really um, it's a tactic to get us as Christians to see their way, to identify with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very clear. Um, and then you, you hit on the important part of uh, God and their different understanding of who God was. Um, and then ultimately I would say that their origins uh, are sketchy. Yeah, the origins. Um, Joseph Smith uh, himself was very uh, sketchy. Um, so when I said earlier about yeah. cults are formed this way, literally that's how this was formed. Like yes. basically it was from trying mm-hmm. to hear the voice of God on his mm-hmm. own. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then there were two different visions he had that, that led yeah. to this. Yeah. And and the Bible, our, our scripture teaches teaches us there's no mediator bet- between God and man, but said it's the man, Jesus Christ. But I mean, their view of salvation is is very dependent on Joseph Smith. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. um, right, yeah, yes. in Mormon doctrine, uh, writings, it says uh, that there's a book called Mormon Doctrine. If it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, there would be no salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they, the authority ultimately is, uh, those books, uh, the, the book of Mormon and, um, the prophets where our authority is the scripture. Um, and again, there is serious, uh, contradictions, uh, between, um, the Bible and their books. And they would even say the King James version of the Bible is reliable in as much as it's not corrupt. So they believe it was corrupted until Joseph Smith mm-hmm. received from the angel Moroni, Moroni, yeah. uh, the, uh, you know, the, the new revelation. And so, uh, which is where they get their name, the Latter-day Saints, right. like it's the restoration yes. of yes. the church, yes. the full restoration. And, you know, you see like even in their belief in the afterlife, like the celestial kingdom is for, for those who've kept the laws of, of, and, you know, believed right. rightly and only, and there's two different levels of the celestial yeah. kingdom. There's those for the married ones. And then there's right. a lesser one for right. the single, uh, for singles, because they view marriage as like, a, I don't know the right word, a sacrament. Right. like it's one yeah. of the things you have to do. Uh-huh. And it's also- Which some uh, singles in Protestant churches are like, oh, well, y'all function like that too. You act yeah. like the married people are better. Yeah, it's anyway. for single and, and for good people who yeah. haven't heard of Mormonism. Yeah. Okay. And then you have the oh, terrestrial yeah. kingdom, which is for unworthy Mormons. And then you have the telestial kingdom, which yeah. is like- what they would consider hell, which yeah. uh, is those who reject Mormonism, yeah. but it's not forever. So there's so, just different views in all those yeah. things. Yeah. And so I think back to appealing to them, like it's really there, there, someone who grew up Mormon, you know, is not taught to question these things. And um, it's very ingrained in them. And so I think that, you know, it takes a relationship of respect to just begin to wor- work through mm-hmm. these things together. And, and I think really getting them to see the Bible and the contradictions and then looking into the origins uh, is, is very helpful. And, and, you know, I think that's something that I should point out here with Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, so much of the appeal of those faiths, not as much anymore, but originally and for some, is it gives the answers to like all of the areas that we're like, what about? Like the Bible doesn't necessarily clearly state. Mm-hmm. And so like, they will come up with answers for that. And so there's a satisfying of the itch 
there of curiosity of things. And, you know, we've been criticized for like talking about the tension uh, of things in the scripture. And I would just say that like, this is the danger of man-made faith that begins to say, I have to have an answer for everything Mm -hmm. that God did not give me an answer for. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And I mean, Charles, I think it was Charles Taze Russell, but it might've been Joseph Smith, Charles Taze Russell, Jehovah's Witness, Joseph Smith is Mormon. I think it was Joseph Smith said that he couldn't believe in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. That's a God beyond his comprehension. Yeah, uh, exactly. Because Joseph Smith, actually his entire family was like Presbyterian and Methodist. So he he comes from, he he grew up at least until he's a teenager in this Christendom, you know, and just basically was like, had questions he couldn't answer. So I'm going to go find the answers, has visions, and then thinks he's found the answers. And and then I would also say that like one of the ways they've been successful uh, in evangelizing Protestant Christians is because so many Protestant Christians, uh, you know, don't study the scriptures and don't even really teach the Bible. The church doesn't focus on the scriptures. And so then they're able to say, Hey, look at this. This should be how we're living. And then somebody's like, wait a second, why are we not living Mm -hmm. like that? You know? And then they have an answer for it. Right. So like, I think, I think that's not really the intent of this question, but I think, I think ultimately like seeing the receptivity of mm-hmm. these faiths and the devoutness of these faiths that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ right. should cause us to say, when I know the gospel, why am I not living for Christ? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I, 100%. And as you approach, like if you are trying to share the gospel with someone who's a Mormon, you know, do this from a position of humility. Yes. Uh, all the you time. know, like, I mean, that's, that goes, <laughs> no matter who you're sharing with, like, you know, you're not going to just beat them with a Bible and be like, you know, you're so dumb. Like that's the wrong approach. Like this is, if, if we, we know Jesus because he's, he's, we have, our eyes have been open to see how great he is and to see his goodness, and his mercy and our need for him. And, and the same thing has to happen. Like the Holy spirit has to illuminate. And so he will use you and just do that from this position of humility, mm-hmm. uh, that the same, mm-hmm. the same salvation that saved you is the same salvation that can save them. If, he can if open their saved. eyes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So just be, be humble. I feel like we say that a lot because maybe because we just need to, we hear need it. that reminder. <laughs> yeah. Just be mm-hmm. humble. So, yeah. So if you've got, uh, you know, other resources, you know, there's so you, know, you can look up an article, North American mission board actually has a, a good, uh, comparison chart. It just, the talks is very basic, just summary statements of historic. Christianity and Mormonism, you can uh, look that up online. It's a good resource too, just to put it all in kind of a list form to help you kind of contrast the two uh, views. So um, that being said, uh, for our game today, uh, we are going to just make a top 10 list. It's not really like a game game. We're just going to make a- uh, We're back know, to top fives. So you guys have been five, begging five, for top them. Top five, top five. So Actually, no things that are exciting them. us about church right now, because it, hey, it's it's fall and fall is kind of like a restart, just like January yeah. is. And it's uh, the new season. There's things happening and God's at work. And so we just thought we would say, hey, here's five things that I'm really excited about mm-hmm. uh, that God is doing in our church. I'm sure there's some overlap in these because we've not talked about them. So- all right, you want to go first? Can we go first? Yeah, number five. These really are in no particular order, but number five, I would say, is just uh, missions uh, stuff. Mm. Uh, the number of people who have given time and money, uh, and uh, you know, went overseas uh, this year, um, and uh, just the, the the doors that God is opening mm-hmm. uh, for us, and um, being a part of uh, God's global plan of bringing people. Uh, to him and the fact that he's using us in that. Like, yeah. uh, and so we are seeing that, I mean, expand as we've been kind of looking over b- potential budgets for next year, giving more away to missions than, um, 
I mean, probably ever in the history of this church. Um, and so I just am excited about yeah, that. 100%. That's my number one. So we'll just, I'll just carry on. So there you go. Missions and missions. Because uh, I was, it's on my mind because today I was able to just, you know, sign some, uh, uh, some check requests, uh, not no, checks. No, no, I don't sign, sign the checks. checks, just requests. And somebody else has to say, okay, but you know, our missions team and our community outreach team have been working on some things. And really one of the things we said in global missions, Hey, we want to go deeper where we are. Mm. And, uh, we are constantly asking God to show us what those are. And, and then, so we were able this, uh, today, uh, to, uh, be able to send funds to one more child for a feeding program in Uganda with our, our work there through one more child and Laura Jones Moingo, who's there uh, to fund a feeding program that they do for hundreds of children, and it will fund it through the end of this year and a half of next year, which Sweet. is pretty awesome. We're talking hundreds of meals a week, and we're also uh, sending a check uh, to sending funds to do that with the pastors we're working with uh, in South Asia uh, to fund a feeding program that they're using uh, to minister to kids from the slums, and we're funding that uh, really the rest of this year and all of 2024. And what that's going to mean is they're able then to take the resources they're it basically just multiplies it because they're taking the resources. We're not replacing the resources they're using. Uh, they're just, we're able to multiply it to a new ministry site. So praise God for that. And it's just, uh, it's leading to people's lives being changed as they're meeting Jesus through this. So I'm just super excited. Number four is I would say uh, our church planning uh, partnerships, uh, which is, is missions too, but a little different uh, approach there. You know, one of the reasons I felt led to become uh, the pastor here was to lead our church and be in a hub for church planning in our area and in partnership with the North American Mission Board. And so obviously the success of Anchor Church and Freeport and their continued growth, um, this uh, just uh, a week or so, you're going to hear from Pillar Church and uh, you've heard about the opportunity to, uh, you know, Know, maybe be a part of what they're doing for a year and we're helping them and then uh, and they're just so encouraged by us and what we're doing and then uh, we have a partnership in New York City and we're exploring maybe helping other churches in New York City we just gave a one-time gift uh, to three different churches where mm -hmm. uh, they're really churches that uh, don't have a lot of resources and mm -hmm. they're in the city and so um, and, and God uh, is just opening up some other uh, potential yes. uh, people to help. And so I would just say it's awesome to see uh, this church uh, making an impact on the strength of other churches as we continue to grow stronger. Yes, indeed. So uh, my number, number two or number four uh, is really our, our engagement in this community. Uh, I And we have Serve Day coming up uh, January, uh, January, September 30th. I'm looking at next year. We have September 30th is Serve Day. And that's just a piece of the ways this church and the people of this church. And God has placed people from this church in, in just very, in roles that they have a lot of influence in the community. I'm thankful for that. And uh, I'm just thankful for the ways that this church is has and is continuing to serve the community. Amen. Well, building off a great history there too. Yeah. Uh, number three is I have to say the number of people uh, who have responded to the need for kids and student ministry volunteers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking a ton of kids and students. I mean, uh, I didn't get the number uh, the, this past week yet, uh, but uh, I know that we were close to 400 uh, the last, the previous two weeks, yeah. kids and students. Incredible. And so, yeah, I know. Amazing. Uh, and you think about that, like for kids, some of those are here two hours. So you, you, you have the double the need for volunteering. Um, and so just the number of people have responded is amazing. Uh, and so we're in a best, better position than we've ever been. Still, there's more need for more volunteers, mm -hmm. but uh, it is awesome to see the Lord just moving in people's hearts. That's awesome. 
So speaking of new people serving, I just, in general, there's a lot of new people uh, right now. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. What part of that's PCS season. And I think, you know, we, oh, this, uh, over the summer, a lot of families moved. I know. Were, uh, just yeah. because of, you know, this, because the God, military and the Lord sent them somewhere else. Uh, and I'm thankful for new people who are here, who are asking great questions, getting involved, coming to discover. Uh, and, and really like, it's just been amazing to see. And a lot of these folks have just said, Hey, we're here, we're ready to go. Uh, you know, we had a lot, a large crowd at our, our discover a few weeks ago. And I'm thankful for that. Just thankful for the new people and thankful for the people who work on our connections team to help them all get connected really well. It is a great thing about being a military in a military community. There's a new harvest every year, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and so, um, it's and really the mentality, cool. it's like, we know a lot of families are here for a short time. So we want to make as big an impact as possible to equip them, the equipping of the saints as they head to the next place they're going to be. And make sure they hear, know the gospel. Yeah. Yep. So, and I would say that would be, um, I'll go with, uh, number two, even though it's probably my number one, but it flows better is just the increase in people believing in Jesus, uh, you know, yeah. and the number of baptisms, salvations, um, it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we exist to glorify God, right. But we'll do that in eternity. And so we understand the huge part of the reason we are here on earth still is because there are people who will not be with us in eternity and we're called to help them see, uh, the gospel so that their eternity will be changed. And we are seeing that, mm -hmm. uh, at an increasing rate. Absolutely. And uh, in tandem with that, I would say uh, number, this will be number eight, uh, number four for me would just be evangelism. And that I, you know, not although any church would ever say, yeah, we're just firing on all cylinders on evangelism, just the way we are. We certainly have a lot of room to grow in this, but I do sense that God is working in this area. I was encouraged a few weeks ago from our prayer night, and even just hearing about people sharing like how these the opportunities to serve overseas has given them boldness here mm -hmm. to recognize they, it, they can and should be sharing the gospel. I heard that from some students particularly. Um, and to see that happening, you know, we've heard some stories from people share with family members and, and I think we are evaluating and looking at how do we really grow in this as a culture in our church. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. My number one, uh, again, maybe number two, but would be, and if you know, you know, you're in our church, a lot of people are praying just that our church would be unified mm. and yeah. God is answering that prayer. Yeah. It's Amen. awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, it's awesome. It really is. I think, you know, <laughs> we're talking, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, God is, is in control of all things. And I think just in his, his providence, his timing, like in this series in Ephesians chapter one, I mean, chapter four, talking about the unity, um, you know, like it's just been so good to be like, God, you have really You've unified done this per this mm -hmm. church for your purposes, the purpose of making your name known. So thankful mm -hmm. for that. Uh, the last thing that I put uh, is also just, I am so thankful for our staff team uh, to work with people uh, who love Jesus and who really want to see people love Jesus. I'm also excited about, you know, some new additions we <laughs> hopefully be hiring uh, to help with some of the loads that we're carrying. If you uh, like boggy talk and maybe you can improve the quality of boggy talk, we'd love hey, to hire you. Yeah, there you go. So Seriously, hiring, yeah, not joking. Communications and, uh, you know, media. That's not all you do, all by those the things, way. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a lot. But I just, you know, I think, you know, we have a great team. We do have and, a great team. Uh, you know, it's so different, diverse in personalities and giftings. And it's just, that's how God designs it. So, yep. I right. think speak, speaking of, speaking of great team, 
I'm glad to be on a team. Team of Boggy Talk. Team yeah, Bog. Team Boggy Talk. Team, team, team Boggy. Bog. There you go. Uh, yeah, we'll get search right there. Team Boggy. All right. Boggy Buddies. Well, hey, if you've got questions, follow up from anything we talked about or ideas, please send them our way. We love to answer your questions. It makes us better. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat. 